Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday evening as we celebrate what was a massive, important, gargantuan Nuggets win today. I can't really speak to it enough. I know that they said that seeding games don't really matter. It's what what matters is in the playoffs, but screw that. The Nuggets were awesome today against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Final score today, 121-113. The Nuggets pulled out a victory in overtime against the Thunder. Against what was a lot closer to a healthy Thunder roster than what the Nuggets put out today. The Thunder were missing Dennis Schroeder. That was important. He was missing. uh, He was outside of the bubble, actually, because his child was being born. Uh, His wife was having a child today. Uh, But the Nuggets were missing three starters. They were missing Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton. And as we know, that has really affected Denver in what they've been able to do during the bubble this year. Well, it wasn't that much of an effect for Michael Porter Jr. So we're going to get into all of it. I'm going to do a recap in the first two segments of this podcast. We'll recap MPJ and Jokic and how they've played. Monte Morris was very good today. Uh, Do that for two different segments. And then in the third segment, we're going to look ahead, going to talk about what this team looks like fully healthy and and where they go from here because Michael Porter Jr., he made things really difficult for Michael Malone when everybody gets back healthy today. Uh, He's not going to the bench, or it's going to be a really, really difficult choice in order to put him back there. So let's get into it. This is going to be the new Michael Porter Jr. game, in my opinion. I will always remember the Indiana game for sure. January 2nd against the Pacers. He comes off the bench, performs extremely well. 25 points. I think it was 10 of 11 shooting. uh, 11 of 12 shooting, something like that. And he had some incredible moves, incredible plays in that game where he really showed the capability of being a star. Today was different, though, because today the Nuggets needed him. They needed to rely on him, and this game was all about reliability as opposed to capability. He absolutely delivered in a performance that that I haven't seen from a rookie in quite a long time because this was special. 37 points, 12 rebounds, 12 of 16 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3, 100% from the free throw line, 9 of 9. He was a plus 25 in 44 minutes. His previous career high in minutes played in a game was 29 minutes and 41 seconds. He blew that out of the water today. The Nuggets had to rely on him so much. And the reason was they were a minus 17 in the 9 minutes that he sat. So they genuinely needed him out there. It wasn't like they could go any different direction 
other than Michael Porter Jr. today. He had to bring it, and he did. Started his night off by cutting to the basket, receiving multiple backdoor passes under the rim, where he could really use his size. The Thunder are a really good matchup for him offensively, in my opinion. Danilo Gallinari isn't going to spend a lot of time on him, so instead they started him off on with Lugens Dort. Uh, he is a rookie from Arizona. He was a two-way player this year that has really earned a nice contract with them, kind of the Monte Morris special. Dort is small, though, and it was very clear out there that he was more built like Kyle Lowry than anybody that's supposed to be defending Michael Porter Jr., and he was out there. Shea Gilgis-Alexander spent some time on him. Chris Paul spent some time on him. Actually spent a lot of time on him. I thought that that was an interesting wrinkle from the Thunder. Um, But Porter used his size. That was his ability. He had the opportunity in the previous game to use his size. Didn't do so. Settled for a lot of jumpers on Saturday versus the Miami Heat. This time around, he was aggressive to the basket. Got into a rhythm. And then his jump shot came to him, and he hit several jumpers, some of them pull-ups in transition, some of them uh, just normal three-pointers where he's kind of catching and shooting. But he had a really good time with his jumper today because he got to the rim, because he got himself in rhythm. But the biggest moment of the day for him was the sequence that he had with two three-pointers back-to-back that put the Nuggets from down two to up four kind of earlier off in the th- in the fourth quarter. He had the first three. It was the Porter Isolation special play that they run where he sets the screen for Monte Morris, and then he gets the ball kind of in an isolation, but this time he stepped back behind the three-point line, shot the three in rhythm, drained it very easily, wasn't really much of a contest put out there. It was a very clean play and something that a star does consistently. The second three, though, was a real star play. It was a pull-up jumper in transition after he grabbed a defensive rebound. He pushed the tempo, pushed the pace, realized that nobody could pick him up if he pulled up from three. And instead of taking too much time, he just immediately pulled up from three once he got to the line and sank that rhythm jumper like it was nothing. That was impressive. Those two threes were really backbreakers for the Thunder. Um, They didn't have an answer for him. He had some great chemistry with Nikola Jokic all day. Jokic assisted on five of his made baskets. That's definitely a performance that the Nuggets can build on while he's in the bubble. It's kind of assumed that the Nuggets are going to go back to their regular starting lineup, but I don't know if that's going to be the case if Porter continues to show that he can do stuff like this. It's going to be hard to put him back on the bench, reduce his role. If he can score 37 points when given an opportunity, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of times where he's been able to take 16 shots, and he scored 37 points in doing so tonight. Just very impressive from him, but whatever happens, it's clear the Nuggets, they're going to use him more frequently. He's going to be in a rotation spot. He earned that right today. The question is how big the spot will be. I don't really know the answer to that, but I'm very comfortable in saying he deserves it after what he did in response to Saturday's kind of Poor performance. Monday, excellent. Great turnaround from him. Really, really good mental focus today, too. Next, I want to talk about Monte Morris before we hit a break. Uh, Monte showed up in the second half. He was scoreless in the first half. He finished with 17 points 
including 10 in the fourth quarter. And it was really, really important that he was as aggressive as he was getting to the rim when he had to be, including on Denver's most important fourth quarter possession. This was when they were down one with about 20 seconds left. The Nuggets worked the ball around the floor. They tried to find Michael Porter Jr., but they couldn't get the timing right on it. So the ball swung back to the middle. Uh, Monte Morris and Nikola Jokic played the two-man game. They ran it to perfection. Morris found a quick seam, and he was able to get all the way to the rim and draw two shots, uh, two free throws. Made them both to put the Nuggets from down one to up one with six seconds left. Of course, Paul Millsap fouls out, or he fouls Chris Bolloran, so that was a that was a tough thing. But the Nuggets got lucky that Paul Millsap he he was he was not great today. They got lucky that Chris Paul only made one of his two free throws on that end, and the Nuggets were able to send this to overtime, and they they wanted it in overtime a lot because of what Nikola Jokic did, and I'll talk about that in the next segment. But Monte Morris did a great job of getting the ball to the right spots today. He was awesome. He played solid defense against Chris Paul overall. It wasn't perfect, but he was also pretty good throughout. Um, He was a plus 28. He led the team in plus minus today. And it was on a day where the Nuggets only won by eight points in overtime. So when Morris was off the floor, the Nuggets were a minus 20. Um, It was kind of nuts. He had really good moments in the two-man game with Jokic and Porter in various sets. Uh, It was a really big contrast to P.J. Dozier today, who really struggled. He couldn't really set up the offense. He was inefficient with his shot. But with Morris out there, you get that steady hand. You get the ball in the right spots. Zero turnovers today from Morris. Um, Long term, I really like the idea of Murray, Porter, and Jokic out there and just the potency of the offense. But Morris is going to play a part. He's going to play a nice, important piece off the bench in that system because all three of those guys they work well with Monte Morris I was interested to see how that would go today uh Porter worked off of Morris well Jokic worked off of Morris well Jamal Murray and Monte Morris they have a high net rating when they share the floor together Jamal's able to be more of a scorer when Morris is out there because Morris is kind of setting the table he's very steady He knows when to pick and choose his spots really well. And ideally, you want guys like Porter, Murray, and Jokic to be the main shot takers going forward. But Morris is a guy who can fit in around that. He can fill in the pieces. He can make the offense flow. I really like the idea of those three out there. And then Morris coming in. He's rotating in. The Nuggets stagger their starters and stagger those scores so that all of them get their chance to play with Morris. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that going forward because I really like what they could do. Um, One of the things that they did, the ideal one that I talked about, that side pick and roll that the Nuggets run with Morris and Porter that I talked about briefly earlier. uh, Morris runs that to perfection. He's very, very good at it. He's run it with Jokic before. He's run it with other bigs. He's run it with Grant. But with Porter, it's just so dynamic and Porter provides just this massive target for Morris to hit. I really like what they can do with that. I'm looking forward to seeing if I'm not the only one and and if if Morris can take advantage of that in the playoffs this year. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the next part of this recap. Uh, We'll be right back. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here. Let's talk about Jokic. Jokic had seven points in the first half. It was really a big deal that Porter had as many points as he did because there were very few guys on the Nuggets roster in the rotation that actually performed in the first half today. Uh, Porter had 20, and everybody else was kind of in that single digit, kind of eh, seven, eight, kind of contribute, kind of contributing, excuse me, but not really. Um It took a while for Jokic to get going. He didn't look very comfortable with the offense, with the spacing that was out there on the starting lineup. That's something that we're going to have to talk about going forward because Torrey Craig out there wasn't really impactful. Paul Millsap out there wasn't really impactful. Um, Millsap did finish up with a pretty solid line, but I'm not sure how impactful he actually was. Uh, We'll talk about that at, at a different time. Um... But in the second half, Jokic really got it going. He had 23 points in the second half in overtime. He finished with 30, finished with 12 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, he was solid. He really took do- took over when he had to. When the game was close, the three-pointer wasn't really falling for him, so he started getting very aggressive in the paint. He played some bully ball on Steven Adams. Actually, one note on one of the threes that Jokic took. The Nuggets did a three-point ATO. Uh, out of timeout play that they ran for Jokic to get a three. It was kind of like a modified elevator door screen. I think Paul Millsap and Monte Morris were the ones to set it. Maybe it was Torrey Craig. But Jokic kind of camped behind those two on the wing. Steven Adams went under, assuming that Jokic would go to the paint. Uh, But instead, Jokic stayed out on the wing. And then Millsap and and whoever the other screener was, they kind of camped out there made sure that nobody could get to Jokic when he had the ability to take an open three. He missed that shot, but it's something that I I look forward to seeing going forward because I think that that could be a play in a key situation the Nuggets run to try and get Jokic a wide open three. But back to the bully ball. Here's what happened in in the final three minutes and the overtime period. Final three minutes of fourth quarter and the overtime period. Jokic had five baskets. Those baskets in order. Post up on Steven Adams in the late fourth. Post up on Adams in overtime. Post up on Adams in overtime. Sombor shuffle on Adams in overtime. A tip in and post up on Adams in overtime. Uh, A tip in after a post up, excuse me. Those five kind of encapsulate how how I feel about the Nuggets matchup with the Thunder in a playoff series. Because Jokic just has Adams' number. And if you don't have a guy that can go toe-to-toe with the opposing team's best player, you're in for a tough time. Uh, The Nuggets with with, uh, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, they'll find a way 
to match up with Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dennis Schroeder, guys like that. The Thunder don't have an answer for Michael Porter Jr., and they don't have an answer for Nikola Jokic. That was pretty evident today, and I'm interested in seeing if the Nuggets and Thunder were to match up in a playoff series, whether that would continue. Um, Jokic just has that combo of strength, finesse, shooting touch. Adams is extremely strong. He may be the strongest person in the NBA today, but he's good for against the guys that are just bullies out there. Jonas Valanciunas and Joel Embiid stand out there. Um, Jokic has a little bit of finesse, and he can go around, through, over the top of Adams at any given point. It's just this big-time performance from Joker when the Nuggets really needed him. He had an opportunity to step up in this one and keep it close and ultimately keep the lead, and he did it. He did it once again, and it's it's very impressive to see what he can do on a consistent basis when he is really locked in. Next thing I want to talk about is this crunch time lineup the Nuggets ran. The five players on the floor in crunch time for the majority of it were Monte Morris, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. I really like that group, and there are a few reasons why. That group has the perimeter size and switchability on defense that you really need to face big wings and forwards and guys like that. Uh, Porter is 6'10", 6'11", Jeremy Grant is 6'9", Millsap is 6'8", I'm pretty sure, maybe he's 6'7". But those guys, all three of them, have the combination of athleticism, strength, physicality to deal with different players. Um, Grant is probably the most perimeter-based. Porter is kind of that guy in between who's more of a, a rim protector, honestly, but kind of a thin rim protector, so he can't be trusted to do, the, to do that all the time. And then Millsap is kind of the, the standard power forward defender, somebody who, who rotates off of his guy to make sure that the team defense is filled in. Um, it's not a perfect lineup, but there is enough capable shooting at every position. Um, so the first reason that I like it is that perimeter size and switchability. Second is that capable shooting at every position. Grant and Jokic, they haven't hit a lot of threes yet so far in the bubble, but they are threats out there. And then the third reason is Morris as a table setter for both Jokic and MPJ. Both of those guys had it going today, and they, even though Porter kind of slowed down once fourth quarter and overtime hit, that's right when Jokic picked it up. It's right when Morris picked it up. So there are definitely opportunities for that group in particular to work together. Um, For Jokic and MPJ to be the main scorers. And then for the other three guys to kind of do do the other stuff. Facilitate, defend, rotate, rebound, things like that. When the Nuggets get Murray back, I hope that they use him in this lineup either in place of Morris or one of Grant or Millsap just because I think there are a lot of different combinations out there that they could go with that could be really fun in a crunch time lineup and keep the the opposing team guessing. If you have Morris out there next to all three of Murray, Porter, and Jokic, that's nuts. That's a lot of firepower. That's a lot of scoring capability. 
if Murray comes in for Morris, then they can basically run Murray, Jokic, pick and roll while also having Porter out there as kind of an isolation, uh, deep score, cutter, somebody who can who can really play off of that duo. Um, defensively, this group was solid, though Millsap wasn't really able to stay with the Oklahoma City guards. That was one of the main issues with this group is that they're almost too big. Uh, when you have two capable guards like the Thunder do with CP3 and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, that's a really tough ask for one of those three to guard. Uh, Grant was the guy who was usually starting on SGA, but the Thunder were getting these switches pretty consistently where they could get Millsap onto him and they could get Millsap onto CP3. And that's the that's the way that they tried to go at the Nuggets. They didn't actually try to go at MPJ in crunch time. I was kind of surprised about that. They more went at Millsap. Um, that should say a lot about where Millsap is at right now. Um, I think he's he's in a tough position. The Nuggets are in a tough position with him because so much of their identity on both ends of the floor is tied up with the Jokic-Millsap two-man pairing, uh, given that Jokic kind of runs the offense and Millsap is the backline defender a lot of the time. We're going to see how that goes. We're going to see how that unfolds because I'm not necessarily sure if the Nuggets can continue doing that. Um, Millsap has not looked very good, and I wonder if the Nuggets are in a situation where they actually, they actually may need to make a lineup switch there. But that's a talk for another time as well. Uh, this particular lineup, it's a lineup that I think the Nuggets were probably going to need against the Clippers and the Lakers. Matches up very well with LeBron and Anthony Davis, Kawhi and Paul George. There's at least some switchability there. And if the Nuggets are forced into different switches, Jokic is always going to have to be able to switch. And that's just kind of something they're going to have to deal with. But if they have other players that can have length, athleticism, uh, defensive capability, then that's a big deal too. Two more things before we hit another break. Uh, Three-point shooting. The Nuggets are at 25% from three in the bubble. Only the Jazz are shooting worse right now. That's really bad. Uh, missing Murray, Harris, and Barton definitely hurts there, of course, and getting those guys back is going to be important. But Denver has to take that next step as a shooting team at some point. Right now, on the entire season, they were 16th in three-point percentage, 26th in attempts. I think it's fair to say that overall they were a below-average shooting team. They didn't take a lot of attempts for a reason. And when they did take those attempts, it wasn't like they were perfect there. They have to be better. And a more aggressive Murray is going to help that out. Playing time for MPJ is going to help that out. He's very aggressive and capable. Um... But you're still going to need improvement from everybody else. Uh, Gary Harris, he needs to improve. Will Barton, he was falling off before the break. Monte Morris, he needs to be more aggressive with his shot. Torrey Craig, he needs to be consistent. Other guys too, Grant, Millsap, they have to be threats. Jokic, of course, has to be better. Um, this entire team has some three-point concerns. And the best teams in the NBA are usually the ones that shoot it best. Uh, Three-point percentage is a really big deal, but they also have to be comfortable taking those shots on a consistent basis. The Nuggets weren't comfortable in that situation last year, 
And it's one of the reasons why they lost to the Portland Trailblazers in seven games, was they could not score enough, they didn't attempt enough threes, and only Jokic was capable of making them. That's a problem. Finally, bench struggles. Uh, The Nuggets bench had 14 total points tonight on 5 of 20 from the field. That is a 25% field goal percentage. That is also not good. (laughs) Pretty bad, if you ask me. Uh, Grant is still struggling with his three-point shot. He has an entire season of work there that, that he should be back to normal at some point, though it could take a little bit. Um... Also, it it turns out taking difficult shots is probably not in his repertoire. He probably needs to take easier three-point shots, shots in the corner, uh, kickouts for wide-open threes as opposed to the kind of contested threes that he's had to shoot most of the time. That's going to be interesting going forward because I still think this is another situation where Murray, Harrison, Barton being back, it strengthens the entire rotation. Monte Morris goes to the bench. Tory Craig goes to the bench. Not sure about Porter. We'll see what that have. We'll see how that goes. Um, but having those guys, having more talented players in the lineup that can draw attention from everybody else, that's going to be important. Murray and Barton create a lot of threes for themselves and others because of how threatening they are. Um, hell, maybe even Bobo gets in on that action. He's one of two in the bubble so far. That's pretty cool. Um, the Nuggets are going to need this big-time scoring threat off the bench, though. It wouldn't surprise me if that's MPJ. He's clearly talented enough. He's clearly capable enough to do it. He might deserve a full-time starting spot at some point, though. Uh, if the seeding games are still going on and he's still starting and he's performing well in that situation, the Nuggets may just ride with that. They may not go back. They may say, okay, this is the time to transition and we're just going to do it. Um... But we're going to talk about that more when we come back. When we come back, we're going to look ahead to what the Nuggets are having to do with their roster, with the future games that they have to play, and some playoff scenarios for the rest of the season. We'll be back. back let's look ahead in the final segment here um so what does this roster really look like at full strength who starts who's playing i don't really know i can make a guess i kind of have an inclination for what michael mullen will probably do with his rotation but nothing is guaranteed and at this point i wouldn't be surprised by anything that he does the nuggets are in a situation where they could go and do anything and that could be the right answer, whether that's returning to the normal starting lineup with Gary Harris and Will Barton, whether that's using Michael Porter Jr. in, a, in an expanded role, whether that's going to Jeremy Grant or Tory Craig in the starting lineup and getting a little bit bigger. I don't know. I think there are a lot of different things that could be justified here. Um, but when Porter has the performances that he just had, it's really, really hard to take him off the floor with as much talent as he has what that talent means to the team now and going forward giving him these opportunities to work with Murray to work with Jokic 
that is important data that the Nuggets need to have going into next season. Because the more they understand how this team could look, the better prepared they're going to be going forward. This team has championship aspirations, and Porter's going to be a part of that, like in a big way. So being in a situation where you don't necessarily play him, where you don't see him a lot of the time next to Jokic, next to Murray, I don't like that. I think that's probably an issue. Um, But here's where I'm at with it. The guaranteed starters when everybody is at full health are Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. That's it. It's not Will Barton. It's not Gary Harris. We don't know about those guys yet. I very much doubt that Millsap goes to the bench in any scenario just because it's going to be really hard for Paul Mil- or for Michael Malone to bench him. Uh, he could technically go with Jeremy Grant at the four, could even go with Michael Porter Jr. at the four, but Paul Millsap is tied up with the identity of this team. He's put in a lot of good time. Uh, I don't think this is a time for him to be of changing of the old guard to the new, um, but I don't know everything. And Millsap hasn't looked very great in the first two games. If he continues to not look great, then maybe that's the change that the Nuggets need to make. Maybe they go early to the Porter-Grant-Jokic lineup and just bench one of Harris and Barton and then Millsap. I don't know what they're going to do. That seems like it's a possibility, though. So, outside of Murray, Millsap, and Jokic, who I still I, I still think Millsap's going to be there, the five other possible starters that the Nuggets could go with are Gary Harris, Will Barton, Torrey Craig, Michael Porter Jr., and Jeremy Grant. Grant at the three is probably the least likely until the second round of the playoffs or anywhere close to that. Um, that would mean that the Nuggets are, are in a series against the Lakers or the Clippers, and they just kind of have to throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. Ideally, though, you want a second guard next to Murray so that he doesn't have to do all of the creation. You also want somebody who's a great defender so that he doesn't have to do all of the perimeter defense. Those are all reasons to start Barton, Harris, or Craig next to him. And I think that's it's a very tough decision that Malone could have to go into. Um, could the Nuggets go back to their original starting five? Yes. Could the Nuggets decide that Porter needs to be out there no matter what? Murray, Porter, Jokic, and you just kind of build around it. That's also very possible. Could Malone opt to go for more defensive size with Craig or Grant in place of Harris or Barton? Yes, that is also very, very, very possible. So right now, I don't think Malone is really seriously worrying about that. I think he's more doing it by feel. Uh, kind of playing it by ear based on health. If those guys are coming back and and whatnot, then maybe the right thing to do is for Murray to immediately step back into his starting role, but then for Harris and Barton to come off the bench on a minute restriction. It seems like Murray is the closest to come back of anybody, and that's important when discussing some of these things because if the Nuggets decide they need to throw Harris or Barton back out there, and they do it for 30-plus minutes with the starters, and those guys re-aggravate something, then that doesn't solve any purpose. It's it's not going to help anybody. So, me personally, if Porter continues to shoot well, if he continues to play well, I think that they should continue to start him 
They should continue to ride that wave, especially if he's putting up those big scoring performances. The Nuggets just need that. They know that they need that. Porter, Jokic, Murray, if those three are capable of putting up 20 a night on a consistent basis, then that changes a lot for the Nuggets. It makes their life a lot less hell. Um, Could Barton do that? We'll see. Maybe they want Barton as the fourth option, or maybe they want Barton as the sixth man and think that he's more consistent at doing that than Porter would be. I think that that's very fair. Um, But there are a lot of decisions to make. There's a lot of information that the Nuggets still need to collect before the playoffs. Six more games there. Uh, But it's coming. It's going to move quick. The Nuggets are going to be in a position where today is August 3rd, The playoffs start in two weeks, August 17th. These decisions are going to happen very quickly, and Malone just might have to run with certain things that he may not have thought he would have had to do had everybody been healthy at the beginning. So I'm interested in seeing how that goes. Next, who will the Nuggets play next? They're going to play the Spurs on Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. game once again. The Spurs just push Philly to the absolute brink. They are very dangerous. They started DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, and DeMar DeRozan all together. Those guys are all kind of in that 6'4 to 6'7 range uh, from a size perspective, and they're very good. They're all very capable. Uh, So the Nuggets are going to have their hands full in terms of perimeter defense. That's going to be something to watch because the Nuggets, they've had to play big a lot of the time. Murray, Craig, or not Murray, uh, Morris, Craig, Porter, Millsap, Jokic. Who defends DeMar DeRozan in that situation? Are you putting Torrey Craig on him? Kind of like last year's playoffs. That means that Paul Millsap has to defend Derek White, Lonnie Walker, DeJounte Murray. That's a tough situation for him. So the Nuggets are going to be in a tough spot there, and the, the Spurs are definitely a tough out no matter what. After that, Denver's going to play Portland and then Utah. Both will be tough. Portland has been playing pretty well. Um, Houston's been playing pretty well. Their micro lineup is working. Uh, Jeff Green at the five was actually a pretty big deal. Uh, Last game on Sunday night, he was really good. Dallas has been playing well despite being 0-2. Their defense sucks, but their offense is great, except for their clutch time offense. That's kind of an issue. Um, I would be less scared of the Mavericks than I would be of the Rockets if I were the Nuggets. I think that the Nuggets can match up with the Mavericks pretty well, but the Rockets have been playing great basketball. They are wonderful. Uh, Russell Westbrook has been good. James Harden has been great. They've had just enough role-playing shooting around them, and they get those guys open shots consistently. And that will continue to happen against the Nuggets. So I'm interested in seeing how that goes. Uh, Utah is playing the Lakers right now. Let's check that score real quick. Uh, Lakers are up 10 with 40 seconds left. So Utah is in a tough position. They're going to have lost their last two games. Uh, They've lost their one and two in the bubble so far. Um, They're not playing great, and they don't have a ton of talent either. With Bogdanovich going down, that's a really tough situation for them. They just don't have enough scoring. Um, That's another team that if the Nuggets had to face in the playoffs, I'd be pretty comfortable that they would win. Um, 
And then Portland is playing pretty well. Yusuf Nurkic is back. He's healthy. He looks good. Good for him after having come off that broken leg injury. That was ugly. Um, But Portland is probably going to be in a situation where they're battling for their playoff lives against the Nuggets. Uh, That's in a couple, in a, a few days actually. The Nuggets will play them on August 5th. I don't know. That's that's the next game. They're going to play them on August 6th, I think. Um, they're going to be in an interesting spot. I am, I'm interested to see how the Nuggets play the Blazers. My guess is that Jamal Murray will play in that game for sure. Gary Harris may also. Uh, but the Nuggets are going to throw everything at the Blazers and try to get them to lose. That would feel really good for them. And then lastly, playoff scenarios for Denver. Denver can probably say goodbye to the two seed unless they go on a major run. The Clippers schedule is just kind of that easy. They are not, they're not really stressing about anything at all right now, and that's not really surprising. Um, Clippers dominated the Pelicans in their last game. I expect that to go on. That's not gonna, that's not gonna really change. The Clippers are very, very good. So I think it's a fair argument for anybody that wants to make it that the Nuggets might match up better with the Lakers or they might match up better with the Clippers. Both of those teams are very good. They're very different. They have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, If you want the Nuggets on the Lakers side of the bracket, then you want to root for Houston and even Utah to win games. You want the Nuggets to be down in the 4-5 matchup because the Lakers are penciled in at 1. There is no way that they're not going to be the 1 seed. If you want the Nuggets to be on the Clippers side of the bracket, you root for every West team to lose, and you want Denver to stay at the 3 seed. Maybe even the 2 seed if you feel kind of lucky. I would stay at the 3 seed just because Dallas seems to be a pretty dangerous squad. Um... But yeah, I could see the Nuggets being in a situation where they are in the three seed, they play the six, and then they have to face the Clippers in the next round. And the Clippers are very good. They're very talented. They have a lot of depth. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are terrific. Uh, Michael Border Jr. is also terrific, but this is a different level. Those guys are talented top 10, top 15 players in the case of George. Um... And playing against that level of talent is different than playing against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So if you are Michael Porter Jr., um, there's going to be a lot riding on him in that series. But Denver's magic number to get that top three seed is five. That means that they need either five wins or five Rockets losses to get them to a top three seed. You could have a combination of the two. So if the Nuggets win three games and the Rockets lose two, that means that they're in the playoffs. Or that, mean, that means that they're in the three seed. And that's a big deal because that way the Nuggets are kind of able to stay on the Clipper side of the bracket, who I think is probably the easier of the two. I don't know, though. The Lakers are great. The Clippers are great. No matter who you play, you're going to be challenged. So it's a tough situation either way, but that's the playoff scenarios for Denver right now. And that's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. I I enjoyed talking about this game. Michael Porter Jr., obviously, he left a big impression. I think there's going to be a large push for people to continue to start him. And the moment that he comes out of the starting lineup again, people are going to be upset. Um, I would expect that initially. I think that Malone, he's a, he's a 
he trusts his guys. He wants his guys to uh, be as successful as possible. And benching Harris or Barton in favor of the rookie, that may not be it may not be something that goes over super well. So, but even so, the Nuggets have to do what they have to do to win. And if Michael Porter Jr. gives you the best chance to win, then you put him in the lineup and you say, "Forget it. We have to do what we have to do." Um, I am firmly in that camp now. He's that talented. There are not a lot of players on the Nuggets that can get you 30. Michael Porter Jr. just got you 37 points on 16 shots. And he did it while playing good defense and rebounding the ball 12 times. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. We'll tune in to the Denver Stiff Show on Friday. Uh, Should have some good guests on for that one. That'll be a lot of fun. Going to have a lot to discuss in those games just because the Nuggets, they're getting rolling. We're going to have a lot of fun watching them, and basketball just keeps going. So keep it tuned here. Really enjoy you guys, and and thanks for giving me your time this week. I will talk to you guys very soon.